Our scripture lesson today is Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10, which uh, you can find in your Pew Bible on page 33, but also in the middle of your worship folder. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them again and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now I invite you to join with me in a spirit of prayer. Let our joy begin here. Let our joy and celebration of this that we cannot fully comprehend and yet cling to so closely be the gift of this Easter day. Move in our spirit, God. Move in our community. Move in our relationships and move in this ministry that together as one today we are claimed to live and be your Easter people. Not by my words or efforts, but solely, truthfully, and entirely upon the work that you've done for us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whom we celebrate today. So be it. Amen. Little George came with his family over from Switzerland to visit their American cousins. They came over to spend some time, and as they were here, it was time for Easter to be celebrated. And the two families went together to church for Easter celebration. Now, little George was young enough that he really had not been through that many Easter's and didn't fully understand it, and quite frankly, uh, had never experienced it the way the American church celebrates Easter. So he went with his cousin and his parents and his aunt and uncle, and they arrived at the church, and together the two families worked their way through the crowded parking lot and hallways and found the classroom where George and his cousin were going to stay uh, while the parents went to worship. 
After worship, the parents went back and collected the two boys and headed home. But George couldn't wait to get home. He was so excited to tell his mom everything that happened to him in the church that day. Mom, we had an Easter cake and played games. It was fantastic. And then the teacher told us this story about this Jesus who died. He died. Did you know Jesus died, Mom? He died. And on the third day, teacher said it, on the third day, he came back to life. And everybody was happy. Mom, Easter's a big deal. Well, when they arrived home, George and his cousin found on the table Easter baskets that the Easter bunny had left for them while they were at church. George had never had an Easter basket before and was really excited to see them and then was overwhelmed to realize one of them was for him all by himself. And he tore into the Easter basket and he saw some of the little goodies and presents and he saw, you know what he saw, he saw the candy. And he thought this was the best thing ever. And he looked down and he saw everything and he ran to his mom again and shouted, Mom, Easter is really a big deal. When the Easter bunny saw Jesus alive again, he pooped out chocolate eggs. <laughs> yes, George, Easter is a big deal. Matthew wanted us to be very clear about that in his telling of the story in chapter 28. What begins as a mournful visit to the cemetery is quickly changed into a time of overwhelming drama. You barely get into the moment when the earth starts to shake. An earthquake rumbles through the area, not only shaking the world, but shaking all that stood on it and was buried in it. Matthew is telling us about this earthquake to let us know that everything we used to know to be true is going to be tossed upside down. It's going to change. The world is going to change. And in the midst of this earthquake comes an angel down from heaven and goes to the tomb where the women were standing and takes the rock which is blocking the entrance and picks up this stone like it's a pebble and tosses it off to the side. This was not your wimpy little cherub singing on a, on a cloud in heaven with a little harp. This was an angel, baby. And he went over to that rock that he tossed to the side and turned around and sat on it. And looked out and then turned to his left. And who did he look at? The guards. The guards that had been placed there the night before. Because when the powers of be killed Jesus, they wanted to make sure nothing was going to happen. Where maybe some of his disciples might come and steal the body out of the tomb and then say he was resurrected or something. So let's go make sure the tomb is sealed and stays sealed and no one messes with it. Send the guards to guard a tomb. Now these were not rent-a-cops. These were not little security cops. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to any of you who might be security. It's just I used to be security and I know how invested I was in my job back in the day. No, these were not. These were the guards. These were SEAL Team 6 people. 
These were the frontline guys sent to stand there because they were going to make sure nobody messed with the tomb. Until that morning, after they had watched guard all through the night, and they felt the earth move under their feet, and they saw an angel come down from heaven and toss the rock off to the side, and then go sit at it and turn around and look at them. And the scripture says, they fell down like dead men. They were catatonic. They were frozen in fright and fear and fainting. Rendered useless. The powerful had been made lifeless while the dead was being raised. And then the angel turns his attention back off the guards to who? Two women, according to Matthew. Mary and Mary Magdalene. Two women. Did you get it? The guards are lifeless on the ground. Trained warriors, lifeless on the ground. Two women are still standing there, still taking it all in. How could they stand while guards fainted away? Well, you know, women are tougher than men. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Yes. All right. And they're really tougher when they've already gone through and experienced the power of Christ moving in their soul. Mary and Mary Magdalene. Oh, Easter overwhelmed them. They weren't ready for it. They didn't understand it. But they did understand what it was to be touched by Christ deep in their soul. They did understand what it was to have the transforming power of Jesus claim them and take them from a place of brokenness to a place of respect to the place of being sick and wounded, to a place of health and wholeness. They already experienced that. That's why they had gone to the tomb in the first place that morning, because even though they thought he was dead, they were going to stand next to his grave. So deep was their love for him, so deeply had he touched their lives. So they stood there as women of the touch of Jesus Christ, confident in the love of Christ, and yet shocked at the power of resurrection. They remain standing there, and the angel turns to them and says, The greatest news of all. He is not here. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, as he told you. As he told you. If you read the Gospels, you know this is not the first proclamation of Easter. Jesus told the disciples countless times, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to kill me, and I'll be resurrected on the third day. And every time they heard the Easter proclamation, they went, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't see it going that way. I'm not going to let that happen. I'm sure God's got something else in mind. They heard the Easter proclamation over and over again, and they did not get it. Until today. Because the angel said, now you heard him tell you about this. Now I say it to you. And as he said it, they believed. Why? Because on that morning of Easter, whenever Easter comes, resurrection is no longer theoretical or debatable. It is a fact. It is there in front of you. There's an empty tomb, and there's a living Lord, and that's all you need to know. And so they embrace the truth of the resurrection. 
And the angel says, now you're not going to see him here. You go and you tell the others what's happened. And then all of you go to Galilee and there you will find him. And so they leave. They leave trusting in the promise. They leave believing that Easter had happened, that Easter was going to happen out there in Galilee. When they went faithfully to go where they were sent, they were going to discover Jesus. And what happens? It's in the going that they experience Easter. It's in the going they discover Jesus. It's in the leaving. Jesus comes to them. And they are overwhelmed, and they race to embrace him, and they fall down at his feet to worship him. It's a powerful scene. It's a scene that was given to me this week. A number of you know that my wife, Laura, has been taking care of her mom for the last 17 months down in North Carolina as she fights with uh, pancreatic cancer. It's been a tough road, but the plus of this, that there's always grace in the middle of struggle. The plus of this is that our youngest daughter, her husband, and two of our grandchildren live in the same town. So for the last 17 months, Laura and Elena, four-year-old Elena, have bonded. I don't know, they're not bonded. They are intertwined. Grandmama's pretty good, according to Elena. She wants Grandmama to be the one to fix the sandwiches. You know what I'm talking about? Well, Laura came home for a 10-day respite. First time she'd been home in 17 months. First time she'd been away from Elena in 17 months. She went back, and then a week unfolded where schedules and such didn't work out until another week passed, until this past Friday, Good Friday, Elizabeth brought Elena over to Ginger's house, Laura's mom's house, and as they pulled in the driveway, Elizabeth's parked car, got out, walked around, and opened up the door to let Elena out. And Laura comes out and stands on the front porch. And Elena comes around the car and looks up. <laughs> Grandmama! And she races across the yard, up the steps, literally leaps in the air, trusting that Grandmama will catch her and grabs onto Grandmama's neck as if all of life depended upon it. It was Easter. It was a holy moment. And when I heard that, I went, yes, that's what Mary's did on Easter morning. They grabbed onto Jesus like he was life itself, because he was. It was in the going that they discovered Christ. It was in the trusting of the story that Christ came to them. Easter came to the women at the tomb that morning. And in that going and in that discovering of Christ as they left, Easter's promise was fulfilled. Easter became so real to them, there's no longer debate for the two Marys. There's only celebration and living it out. They worshiped Christ in that moment, and in that moment they were set free because it was Easter. Easter's the moment for all of us, whenever it occurs, when we come into the presence of the living Christ and the crosses that we've been carrying, that have been killing us, are laid down. Easter is the moment when we move from the fear of the cross and the weariness and the and fixed attention on all the negative of life and move towards the hope and the joy and the celebration that comes when we are set free and emancipated by grace. Easter is the work God intends, 
when Easter people begin to be known in the world as those who see as their primary vocation the work of setting other people free from the crosses they're carrying, of setting other people free from their illusion that there's no hope, and letting them live in the joy of the risen Christ. Easter is where you and I stop cowering in fear and negativity and cynicism and sarcasm and begin to dance where our screams of agony are replaced with songs of resurrection and our loneliness is healed by the power of the resurrected community gathering around us. Easter is where we get our vocational call. Regardless of what we are paid to do, we breathe to live as the Easter people. And we are changed into those who go through this world proclaiming Easter sometimes in words. Easter is the discovery of the power of love in this world and mercy in our time's weakness. Easter is when the scattered and the broken and the unknowing are woven into a community of power and unity. Just like Matthew said, it's Easter morning and the world is turned upside down. Those who were in power are lifeless and those who had no voice and no hope are resurrected. On Easter morning, the most imposing of barriers are tossed away. Those things you've been fighting against and fighting with that keep you from accomplishing the dreams that God has for you, gone. Why? Because you've figured it out and you have the power? No, because Jesus is going to send his angel and just kick it off to the side. It's Easter morning, and it's a big deal. Because of Easter, in this room right now, all of us are able to come together and be the Easter people. We are resurrected in the knowledge that we serve a God who cannot be defeated, nor can we as we follow in God's path and grace. Our witness today is a very simple truth. Whatever the worst happens, it's not over. Whenever the worst devastating thing that could ever happen in this world occurs to you, the good news of Easter is there's another chapter. I declare it, says God. It's called Easter. Whatever grief we've carried is met with the promise of never-ending love that supersedes death. Whatever brokenness of mind or body or spirit that we know and experience is met with a God who will work with us and wait with us and be still with us in those pre-dawn hours until resurrection comes into our life. Whatever questions we have, whatever doubts we may hold deep within us, we are welcomed into a community of faith and encouraged to go ahead and give voice to those doubts. Ask those questions. Be truthful about that which we're not sure of and discover that in the presence of Christ we are not judged, we are not ridiculed, we are welcome to be part of the community and walk alongside each other. This is Easter morning and the world is not prepared for it. You're going to go out of here today, and I don't know where you're going, if you're going to meals or homes or going to Myers or wherever you're going, but I'm going to tell you this. You're going to go out in the world and you're going to go past a whole lot of people who are not prepared for you to be Easter people. They think it's just another day. They're wrong. It's Easter, and it's all changed because it's today, the gift of new life. Why do we know this? How do we know this? Because we've experienced it. It's our truth. I don't try to convince you out of some magical story. 
We have experienced angels tossing obstacles out of our life. Anybody experience that? We've experienced grace that forgave us when we couldn't forgive ourselves. Amen? We've experienced the love and movement of Jesus Christ in our life, making a way when we could not see any way possible. Is it not true? We proclaim Easter today not because we hope it will be, but because we've experienced it and we reclaim it again today and we live it tomorrow. And in going to the Galilees that we will go to, who will we find there? The risen Christ. You know it, and I know it. It's true. And that's the greatest gift of Easter. It becomes more powerful as the days unfold. Long after your Easter baskets are put back in the attic and long after the last slice of ham is consumed, risen Christ comes into our life to birth us and carry us in death. We will discover the power of Christ healing our souls, bringing reconciliation, and restoring all of our lives. It's nothing new to us. We've experienced it. We proclaim it. It's a big deal. Easter's a big deal because it's true. And that's what drives this community of faith, this gathering of the Easter people. We are an Easter people, and because we are, we invite others to come and be disciples of Jesus Christ with us. We do not do so because we want to get a larger membership or attain some goal that somebody set. We do so because we've discovered that being a disciple of Jesus Christ is the most powerful, life mind-blowing experience, and I want to share that with everyone that I can encounter. We come together to grow in our knowledge and our understanding of who we are and of the scriptures and of our spiritual traditions because we want the tools that will allow us to go out and be reconciling voices in a world of, of dysfunction and divisiveness. We exist together here today to serve Christ by going out with intentionality and finding the poor and hungry and hurting and disfranchised and imprisoned and, and uh, beaten and bullied and becoming one with them as we discover the Christ in all of us. It's a big deal. Do you doubt it? Well, if you do, then I ask you to do this. In the name of the risen Christ, go ask the people this year who you helped feed when they were hungry and they came to the church to find food. Ask them if they think Easter is a big deal. If you wonder if it's a big deal, go out and ask the countless people in this community who today are in apartments or houses that they would have been ejected out of, thrown out on the street except for your ministry and intervention in their situation and offering of grace in their lives. Ask them if it's a big deal. Ask those in the room today who lost their jobs and found new jobs by the faith, prayer, and work and talent of the congregation coming alongside them to help them find jobs. Ask them if Easter is a big deal. Ask those today who sit in this room right now, who in the past year have lost loved ones, and for whom today is the first Easter that they have not experienced it together with them, and it's a tough day. But in their loss and grief have found a community of believers who have prayed with them and walked with them and sit with them today and offer an accepting, loving community to give them the opportunity to grieve until wholeness comes back in its fullness measure. Ask them if Easter is a big deal. Ask those right now in this room who no longer live close to family, 
but have found in the faith community a family of faith, friends, friends for their children, friends for their marriage, friends for their singleness, friends for all of their life, faith friends who walk alongside them. Ask them if it matters to be a part of the Easter people community. Ask them if it's a big deal. And ask those right now in this church who are daring to dream of new mission fields. Ask those in this church right now who are seeking to make new disciples in Christ and find those we can witness to. And ask those who are right now laying the foundation for new construction of program and building so that we can prepare for the next 50 years of ministry. Ask them if Easter is a big deal. It is. It's everything. And today we gather together on this Easter morning, 2014, with the opportunity to proclaim God is risen, to proclaim Jesus Christ is alive. Yes, you've heard it before, but it's true right now, and it's going to be true tomorrow. And that's the exciting news. That's the proclamation. That's what I have to offer you today. And you've got the voice to proclaim it and the lives to live it. That's good news. In the late 1700s, there was an old Methodist preacher in England who had ridden all over England proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the record history book that talks about as he was coming to his final days, he was dying of some form of paralysis. Today we might think it was ALS, Lou Gehrig disease, we don't know. But either way, he was lying in his bed and paralysis had taken over almost his body. He was having trouble speaking and breathing, and he was coming near his last days, and it was Holy Week, and into his place of residence strode an old friend, someone who had been a parishioner underneath him, who had come to Jesus Christ underneath his ministry. And he came to be with his friend, his pastor, this disciple of Christ, and they remembered all times, and of course the parishioner had to carry 98% of the conversation. And he mentioned the fact that Easter was going to be next Sunday and how difficult it must be for his friend to lie there in the bed and not have a voice this year to proclaim Christ the Lord is risen today. And in that moment, that old Methodist preacher eked out one of the last things he said in this world. He said, yes, but it is far better to have no voice and have a reason to sing Christ the Lord is risen today than have a voice and have no reason to say it. It is today Easter, and I proclaim to you, it is the biggest deal of all, and you have a voice. So sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. Sing, be an Easter people. Sing the hallelujah chorus, and proclaim to the world this good news. Jesus Christ is risen today. It is true, it is real, and it's going to be a big deal for the rest of our lives. Thanks be to God. Amen.